Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. No, that is the greatest noise to ever start a podcast ever. You don't have to like amplify that and take it and just like bring up the gain on it because that was just brilliant. <laughs> Anyways, what's up, Colin? Uh, how you doing today, Wolf? Doctor, Doctor Carlin Barto, Doctor, the esteemed Doctor Carlin Barto. <laughs> I guess that's who you ask. Yeah. To me, you are of all the esteems. What those esteems are, I don't know, but you are all of them. But the greatest of them all, you're awesome. You're the of the awesome esteem. I'll take it. Come over from you, that means a lot. Oh, that's sweet. Don't you're so sweet. You're making me blush. But I'll save my blush for the end. So I'll just hold on to it for now, like I'll hold my breath. My friend, what okay. is your intention for this journey we we're about to embark on? My intention for this journey today is going to be to uh, to have an insightful and impromptu exploration into kind of wherever this leads us, just to really spend some time with you and enjoy uh, connecting with somebody a little bit deeper than the general uh, cursory level conversation that I get to have with all of my patients. So, mm. Yeah cursory that's a fun little adjective coolio well i am grateful to be on this journey with you and playing with your intention a little bit uh i'm, I'm ready to to dive into the the realm of the unknown with you we've been we've been having deep fun conversations for a while now so it's only fitting that we get to bring this full circle and, and actually record something and create something so my intention is to to dive into the unknown and have some fun with that whatever that shows up as Full send. This, for some reason, popped into my brain as a great way to start, which is something that you do randomly that I've noticed and I've always had gratitude for is you ask people, what is something that you're grateful for today? Hmm. And you're very consistent with it and, and you ask just about anybody, including myself on just like randomly, but I think it's such a sweet memento and I'm curious what drives that. Uh, this actually started uh, a few years ago. I uh, kind of a preface to this is um, I've had multiple concussions. And so one of the things that is very prevalent with concussions is uh, depression and suicidal ideology. And those are you know, those are big things that I work to combat, but anyways, I deal with these. And so 
I realized that I was in a relationship that was not driving joy. Um, I was depressed and I was having more frequency of that kind of suicidal ideology stuff in, in the back of my head. And so um, I figured that focusing on, on gratitude was a great way to push joy and, and kind of create, manifest that joy in my life. And it wasn't so much, I, I couldn't really keep asking myself all the time, what am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? Especially when you're depressed or you're, you're fighting with stuff, it's, it's a very difficult question to answer. Uh, and there's a lot of resistance that will happen. So I started asking everybody else. And I started getting some really interesting answers. Um, and, and it started with patience. And I found that the more people were grateful around me, the more I was focusing on it as well. And not only could I bring some joy into my life, but I could help theirs. And, and it expanded from asking my patients to pretty much asking everybody I've run across. You know, if, as long as, as my brain's in gear, I, I try to ask, you know, everybody I come across, whether it's the, the guy at the seafood uh, counter at Publix or whether it's the banker that I'm talking to or randomly getting a coffee and just, you know, stopping for a moment and asking that person. Um, yeah, it's it's become something that I I really resonate with to the point that I've actually changed my uh, my signature on my emails to have a grateful day. Uh, I'm kind of tagging have a grateful day. So yeah, I love it. Speaking of mm. which, what are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? It would be it's such low hanging fruit. But because to me, it's such a beautiful fruit to look at the fact that we are here having this conversation. I haven't got to see you in a couple months now, at least. And for me, it's like a couple months too long. So to be able to look at you at least and to, to share this time to me, that's something that is invaluable because it's, it's more than having a conversation. It's, there is a shared energy, right? In the, in in the unspoken, unseen realms of the energetics that, you know, binds and keeps all things together at a cellular level, we're getting to share this energy with one another. And to me, that that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. What about yourself? Um, I would say likewise. Uh, I don't want to like both of us give the same answer. Um, no, you, really, no, you. <laughs> exactly. We'll have a Canadian standoff of politeness. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for the struggle and the growth that this pandemic has brought into my life. I've mm. had some of the lowest lows and I've really changed my perspective on how I'm, hit my desk. Uh, I changed my perspective on how I'm approaching um, my work and where I want my goals to be set and really coming back with a new fervor for serving others. So, yeah, I'm grateful for the, the growth. Mm. Pause going off script here. I've never done this before, by the way, and it's literally in the back of my brain and I'm not going to be able to be fully present with you until I address this. And this is so weird. I, I literally had to put in that. Mm, so like, if I have to go back and edit this, I fucking will. I've never done this before, but it has occurred to me that something that you and I have, have battled in between with ourselves is how we outwardly want to be to the world. And then how we 
in or how rather who we inwardly are and how we outwardly express ourselves because of the nature of what we do. Hence you being a doctor and you don't, you know, you don't, ex- and you know, being your chiropractic facility, mm-hmm. I know you don't outwardly express a lot of the things that you do regarding, you know, like BDSM and spirituality or whatever those things are, because you just separate them. And one of the things that came present for me in this conversation was, uh, you don't, you don't know this yet, but, uh, when I started this podcast, uh, initially it was one way and then it became everything that I ever feared, which was that it was going to be the platform where I exposed myself and my truth, hence radical truth and honesty, and basically started having all the conversations that one would naturally be afraid, mortified if their parents and family and friends had ever heard about. And naturally, you know most of these things about me, but the podcast started diving into spirituality and psychedelics and BDSM and sexuality and like all the things I'm terrified of talking about, but it started going there. And what it's created a lot of freedom and liberty for me. Like this, like this, it's actually profoundly changed my entire life. I've started talking about this stuff now with my family and it's terrifying because I'm not fully complete in all of it, but it's like talking about everything and doing it very unapologetically. And the reason why I paused was because I'm sitting here having this conversation, you're holding this context around like truth. And what I realized is, hmm, I don't know if you have your doctor hat on or if you have Colin hat on and where the boundaries are because of the public eye on this stuff. And naturally, it has me filtering what my questions are. So I need to know where to come from. Because I know you on a personal level and you and I are, I have to say out of everyone that I'm close with, you are the person that I'm closest with. Literally like all the things like you are the person that I am closest with. And at the same time, I need to respect your boundaries. And that's why, hence I said, I've never done this before. Cause I'm like, I need to know who I'm talking to because it is going to filter how I speak. And I want to respect your boundaries. I appreciate that greatly. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where if it's broadcast, if it's public consumption, then I have to wear the doctor hat. Okay. Um, I, I can wear Colin hat for a lot of things, but um, sexuality stuff, if it's personal regarding me, I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not in this forum. Um, if it's anything that's not necessarily on the up and up, don't want to talk about it. Uh, so it uh, up and up, be, you mean psychedelics? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I've I've done some spiritual journey and stuff, and I don't want to don't want to talk okay. about that stuff. Got now, it. if it's well in, in a limited format, right? If we're talking about actual spiritual development using ayahuasca in in a ceremonial format, sure, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I don't want to put too much out into the universe. Uh for other people to make their judgments without proper context. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I can play with that. Now I know. Now my brain's not going to be nipping at me. So I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you asking. <laughs> Cause that could have been some awkward conversations there. Yeah. Wait. Hold up. <laughs> we didn't, I didn't sign that waiver. That was not in my, my, my terms of agreement here. You didn't let me know that one. Yeah. <laughs> I need an updated ELUA. Okay, so I updated the the booking information, and now I know. So, uh, 
naturally I'm just going to make a brief pause noise and then I'm just going to edit this back in. Like I said, this has literally never happened before. So it's really funny, but I'm glad that I handled it now. So that way there's nothing in the space now, which is fucking great. And it's 420. <laughs> Woo. Blaze up. All right. So happy holiday. <laughs> Happy holidays. All right. So the last thing we talked about was gratitude. You expressed what you were grateful for. Um, shit. There was something I had that was, was going to be a great connection to it. I just want to make sure I naturally bridge it in a, in a decent way. One second, bear with me while I gather myself. Oh, is it, by the way, is there anything before I jump into it that you want to say about that? Or does that help clear the field for you as well? I'm golden, like a shower. (laughs) (laughs) That ain't going to make it on there either. It's in the outtakes. This is the bloopers. Like a golden shower, like a good neighbor. Golden showers are there. All right. If your neighbor's giving you golden showers, you've got a very interesting connection with your neighbor. (laughs) Uh, well you're you know if you're in in an apartment complex or anything like that you got plenty of neighbors you might just you know you might be lucky you might find one weirdo or multiple i am you have no no Uh, not my complex that'd be funny (laughs) all right so gratitude you said what you were grateful for hmm Man, the question's not coming to me, so I guess I'll just flounder my way through until I find something, which is easy. That's not hard. Why do you suppose having a practice of gratitude is what allowed you, I would imagine in a way, to start to manage what you briefly pointed at around you know, struggling with depression and other mental health-related issues how do you suppose gratitude helped you to anchor yourself and pull you perhaps out of those times when you were feeling perhaps helpless or a sense of despair, or however you would describe it? Um, so in the moment that you focus on something that you are grateful for, um, there's a focus on a positive experience. There's a focus on a positive emotion. And the manifestation of a positive emotion, in, in my case, joy is my favorite type of emotion. And, mm-hmm. and joy, you know, everybody talks about being happy, but happiness is kind of like, in the scheme of things, it's kind of like a, it'll do, it'll get you by, right? Mm-hmm. That overabundance of happiness branches into more of a joy, an exuberance, um, an excitement. And these are the things that, that drive us. People want to be excited by something. They want to be, you know, overwhelmed with that happiness, not just like, eh, I'm happy, right? So when you focus on these moments of gratitude and you say, you know, I'm grateful that, you know, my legs work. You know, I, I my buddy had both his legs blown off in, in the war and, you know, it's hard for him to run and get around and things like that. Well, man, I've taken it for granted for years, but I'm really glad that I can move, I can run, I can lift weights, I can do the things I want to do. You're, you're focusing on that positivity. Um, and it, it 
it changes your brain cycle for a period of time. It changes how you're firing. And even if it's just a moment, but when we look at neurology, if we look at how the brain works on a, on a plasticity level, every time you have a thought, every time you have an emotion, every time you do something, every time you perceive something, every time your brain is involved in your reality, there are brain cells firing in these pathways. And every time you do it, those pathways get stronger. So even if it's just that one moment, that 30 seconds or so that you're answering a gratitude, uh, gratitude question, you're making that gratitude, that positivity, that joy side of your brain work a little bit more and become mm -hmm. a little bit stronger. And part of the reason I like doing this for everybody is because judging a book by its cover is, is what we do all day long, right? We, well, we, we focus on ourselves primarily, which is a problem to begin with because then we're not taking everybody else into consideration. But you look at somebody, for instance, I take a look at you and you got a smile on your face and you're like, cool, this guy's a happy guy, mm -hmm. right? We make that assumption. But there's a difference between the outward expression that we want other people to see, right? Our outward ego, if you will, and what we are experiencing internally, right? So harking back to the depression and you know, all the other things that go with concussion or just mental, mental uh, you know, disorders and things that a lot of people deal with. Um, you never know if you asking that one person what they're grateful for is enough to shift their mindset to be a big difference in their life. Hmm. So. That points out some, some fun research I've been diving into around neurology, which this is, you know, far more your field than mine, but the whole like Hebb's law, nerve cells that fire together, wire together. And when we continue to choose to fire those neural pathways, if you will, if you continue to, to hack away at the tree and you do it consistently, eventually the tree falls and perhaps in that falling, there's like this replacing and rewiring of the old things and, and reigniting the new ones. Is there a space, however, and this is something I'm curious about when, when you're in a particular state, let's let's say it's not, you know, of gratitude, it's, it's anger, it's sadness, it's frustration. One of the things I've battled in between is when we try to, shift stay to a state of gratitude but our body if it's been conditioned to be in lack or despair when we try to just force good in and then the body naturally tries to resist is there a, a time and a place for that or is it no matter what you do as long as you start pushing in positivity it'll make the negativity go away can you repeat that one more time i think yeah. i got the gist of it but i want to make sure so i think the question is is there a time when there is a downfall to trying to put positivity in the system, say through asking that question of gratitude, when we inwardly feel crappy? Does that create opposition? And, and in a way, it's like the mind and the body start fighting. Okay, there's, there's two parts. One is the, the timing or is there a bad time or a wrong time, if you will, to, to ask the gratitude question or to, to inject that positivity in. Uh, and then point number two was um, a disconnect between brain and body or conflict between brain and body. Is that correct? Okay. Um, so for number one, the timing, I mean, there are a few times that are obviously not necessarily ideal for halting a situation or distracting from the, the processing that needs to take place in a certain situation by asking for gratitude, right? It's not often, 
Um, but there are times when the emotions that a person is feeling must be acknowledged mm-hmm. uh, because emotions are not wrong, right? You, you cannot be wrong with your emotions. Now your processing of those emotions can always be modified and be, you know, worked with because we can choose how we want to feel about things. We can choose processing. Um, but allowing the, the validation and the acknowledgement of emotions and then saying, well, I understand that you're feeling this way and that's totally valid, but what about this? And you, and you can start to gently shift that, that direction. Um, you know, obviously if, if somebody's just been in a car accident and you're, you know, checking to make sure that they're alive as the, you know, because the car would have blown out. You don't want to be like, hey, tap on the forehead. Like, what are you grateful for? You know? um, Probably you, you not a good time. The situation. Exactly. Um, as far as disconnects between brain and body, we do have emotional manifestations in physical form. This is a, a common thing that happens with high stress situations. Um, there's a lot of PTSD type of, of effects that can be held in soft tissue um, and can be manifested through, you know, muscle spasm patterns and, and different physical things. Um, but I don't know if that relates necessarily to the practice of gratitude. Hmm. Okay. So I wanted to take a detour a little bit intentionally and go under the hood a little bit of who, yeah, exactly. Skirt. If you're watching the video, uh, get under the hood a little bit of who this person is that we're referring to when we say the words Dr. Colin Bartow, or rather the, the name conjoined Dr. Colin Bartow. And obviously we've already started diving into neuroscience and neurology and things like that. But ultimately, what context are you coming from on that in terms of what is your education and, and yeah, give right. you some background, some, some context. So, I mean, at the heart of things, I'm just Colin. Um, but my work uh, and, and the passion that I, that I chase is uh, a study of functional neurology. And uh, I'm a chiropractor by license. Uh, I got my degree back in 2012 at Life University, graduated cum laude, whoop, whoop. Um, and also got a rep UCF, go Knights. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's the study of functional neurology that has allowed me to do the work that I do today. Um, it is a study of how the nervous system is wired and how it functions. Um, it's a bit different than medical neurology, traditional medical neurology that you run into on a day-to-day basis. There are medical neurologists that practice a functional approach um, or functional neurology as a whole, um, but it's not as common. And the, the major difference is in medical neurology, um, there's going to be a certain level of rehab, uh, but there's going to be an emphasis on drugs and surgeries and different standard Western medicine approaches. Mm-hmm. With functional neurology, we're looking more at, we understand generally, right? We don't understand all of it, but we understand to a point what the different parts of the brain are doing, what they're responsible for, and we're getting more and more detailed on how they're interconnected and how we can work with them. Mm-hmm. With functional neurology, our, our treatments are based on the premise of neuroplasticity, which if you break it down, neuro is nervous system and plasticity refers to plastic. Um, if you think about plastic that we use on a daily basis, our bottles, our phone cases, whatever it is, like you can melt these things down and you can reform it into something else. You can recycle plastic. But we don't recycle the brain, but we can mold and shift and rewire the brain where 
like we were talking about earlier, every time you have a thought, an emotion, an experience, a movement, anything you do that interacts with the world around you or the world inside of you is going to cause neurons to fire and pathways to fire. And we can give a great example of neuroplasticity in action by, um, I love this one, you think of a little kid learning how to throw a ball, right? Mm -hmm. So dad takes his little son out in the front lawn. It's like, all right, Tiger, we're gonna teach you how to throw a baseball. <laughs> well, at first the kid's gonna throw the ball straight to the ground, right? He's a little tyke, he doesn't know what he's doing. And the dad goes, all right, that was great, Tiger, let's do it again, right? And he's like, and he teaches him a little bit more. So the kid starts to throw the ball farther and farther and his movement becomes more refined instead of this spasmodic launching of his arm into space and the ball goes <laughs> flying in a random direction, right? It becomes more accurate. It gets more power. He can throw it farther. And, and, and you're, what you're watching is, you're not watching the muscles getting stronger, right? There, there will be an adaptation of musculature, but you're looking at the refinement of motor patterns in the brain based on use. Mm. It's the same thing with learning languages. It's the same thing with anything we do in life. As you do something more, you will refine the skill and you will get better at it through the process of neuroplasticity. So if we can refine these neuropathways, we can take an injured area of the brain and we can work it gently and watch it recover. We can make it stronger and make it function better. Um, or if it's too sensitive, we can actually go indirectly through other systems to give it a little nudge, a little kiss to kind of warm it up and then start exercising that system back to mm -hmm. ideally full function, right? Now, it has to be said that when you're dealing with medicine and you're dealing with you know, the rehabilitation of injured or pathological systems, there's always variations. Everybody's unique and you know, the, the injury, the system itself and the treatment protocols are all going to be very important in the right, right timings and the right processes in order to get the maximum results. So everybody's different. But that's the idea. And it works incredibly well. Hmm. So in a way, whenever there's really do my best to bring this down to layman's terms is when there is some kind of event that severs or perhaps incapacitates our ability to perform a certain action through neuroplasticity, through the rewiring of the brain, if you will, we can start to access a new way of getting to the same road. Because sometimes you're just driving down the street and the roads get shut down for construction for whatever reason, and the map starts hitting rerouting. And in a way, we're going through a process of rewiring our neurons we're taking different pathways to ultimately get to a similar end goal through that rep repetition of you know intention that thought to the desired outcome and then through action and the refinement of the action we can then access things perhaps that we weren't able to before or even better than before so this is actually interesting um yes and no and you're okay. bringing up something else which is really important um so if we're rerouting, right? So we're on the highway and the, the GPS is like, yo, homie, you need to like get off at this exit and take this way around because there's, there's, you know, construction up ahead or there's an accident or whatever, right? Yeah. Let's say there's an accident. If, if we don't rehabilitate the system, let's use a concussion for instance, right? Let's take a mild concussion, which is something that I work with on a you know, daily basis. We have a mild concussion, a mild brain injury. And, you know, we've got a high school kid, a teenager, who's been involved in football, he's got a concussion, and maybe he's having headaches, he's having focus issues, um, he's having emotional issues where he's not connecting with his, his peers and his family, he's depressed. Um, in that rerouting, what we're doing is we're creating compensations, right? The brain and the body naturally do this. For any physical injury, body injury, or brain injury, the brain will develop compensations to allow us to survive, 
that's the, the base goal is survival. Um, in these compensations, just like if you rolled your ankle, um, cool, I'm compensating, I limp a little bit, and hey, it's doing better. But then if you really watch somebody close, you might notice that they have this little extra kind of movement, this limp in their step because they never rehabilitated that, that ankle. So these compensations, these reroutings, allow us to get to the same end goal most of the time, more or less, but they're not as efficient and they're not accurate. And the system is so complex and, and detailed in how it's interconnected that if we're not doing things the right way, it can affect two, three, four stages down the line into other things that we're doing. Mm. With functional neurology, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, for right now, you're having to use compensations, you're having to reroute, but we've got to fix that road. We've got to get that accident cleared up. So what we do is, you know, by working these systems, the analogy is not as solid anymore, but, you know, we're sending in the tow trucks. We're sending in the fire department to clean up the, you know, the, the broken glass and, you know, make sure we evacuate anybody that needs medical attention. You know, we're sending in the police to make sure that traffic is guided around that accident. And then as we start clearing lanes, we open it up a little bit more and then we open mm-hmm. it up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, and compensations are a big thing. I actually, um, we're recording some content for the office on education for concussion. Um, and one of the things we're talking about is mild concussions with compensations. And we think we're doing fine. We're like, Hey, all my symptoms of that, that head injury are gone, but you still have those weaknesses that later on can be problematic. Uh, so it gets even more fun on that end. Mm. Do you, does the, a lot of the work that you do fall in alignment specifically with concussions or is it more expansive than that? Uh, we do a lot of concussion work. That's really, I've had multiple concussions myself. Um, mm-hmm. I know personally what it's like to have the headaches, the eye pain, the brain fog, the fatigue, the emotional disturbances, the suicidal ideology, the whole nine. Um, and so it's become a mission of mine to help other people not suffer through the things that I suffered through and still do, um, mm-hmm. cause my brain isn't completely fixed, but, um, I do work with balance disorders. I, I've worked with improvement disorders in the past. I've worked with basic chiropractic stuff, you know, weekend warriors, competition weightlifters. Um, I really enjoy working with those. But there was something actually you mentioned earlier about um, performance enhancement. You didn't really say it that way, but you were talking about being able to do things better than we were before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really interesting kind of subcategory of the functional neurology world. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this. I think you might know. But back when I was in chiropractic school, I was studying neurology and I was interning at a clinic on campus that was headed by uh, Professor Frederick Carrick. And he's kind of like, you know, more or less like the godfather, if you will, of functional neurology for chiropractors. Um, He's been a major, major figure, a major driving factor in this. But he had a facility there. He was treating you know, professional athletes, Olympic athletes, Hollywood stars. I mean, like we were getting to work with some really cool people and some really fun cases, you know, that the average people that were coming in were very complex cases. Um, and I can talk about this because he came out, you know, it's, there's no HIPAA issue here, but Sidney Crosby talks about how he worked with Professor Carrick uh, down at that life center mm-hmm. in Atlanta. And that was during the time that I was interning. And I was getting to watch Professor Carrick working with these athletes like Sid Crosby and watching how they were testing and how they were treating. And they were actually able for some of these guys to refine their skill sets um, even better than, you know, they, they were coming back. They're like, oh man, I'm shooting more accurately than I used to, you know, and, and they were refining. But you have to realize that 
who you are right now, whoever's listening right now, you, you yourself, Wolf, um, we are the accumulation of all of the little injuries and micro injuries and things we've done to ourselves up to this point that we have not fixed. Mm-hmm. Right. So everybody talks about, Oh, I'm getting old. That's a bunch of BS, right? Age, the physical expression of age is that representation of injuries without having them fixed. I know people that are 30 years old that look like they're 80. They move like they're 80 because they've destroyed their physical body. They have not corrected these issues. And then we've met people in their 70s who are doing acro yoga and making it look flawless, making it look easy because they've taken care of their physical form. Um, and the same thing goes for taking care of the mind too. Hmm. Sorry, I'm going to stop. I, I could just go on a rant forever, but I'll, I'll break it off there. If there's ever a time to, to be able to rant, it's on an open, an open mic conversation with no real defined boundaries inside of a podcast. So, you know. Yeah, but a conversation is better than a monologue. This is so. This is so. Doth thou want to listen to thee as I go on for hours and hours on end? Like, what was your point? I forgot. all right let me restart oh please whatever you do don't do that send me the spark notes catch up with you later (laughs) so where where did this begin for you and why did you ultimately choose this path of going down into chiropractic so we've now obviously gotten into some of the minutiae of the of the work and, and ultimately even like your mission around it which is you know being able to help people similar positions like yourself uh you know people who've struggled with concussions and other related issues if you will that word uh why why chiropractic why this field um realistically the story comes down to this uh undecided i knew that i wanted to help people um that was always a calling of mine, but I didn't know what the avenue was going to be. I made it into UCF, made it through all of my, you know, gen eds, and I was coming to the end of my second year, and I did not have a major that I was excited about. I was slated as psychology, but, eh, you know, <laughs> I can take it or leave it, not really be one way or the other about it. Um, and I remember I was sitting next to... Um, reflection pond right outside of Millican Hall on the, on the front side of UCS campus. And I'm on the phone with my mom and I, I, my memory is horrible, but I do remember this. It was on like an old Nokia brick, you know, the old, like was a 3,500 or whatever. Um, I was talking to my mom and I was like, mom, I don't know what to do. Like I'm, I'm coming up on the end of my time here. I've got to have a, a direction and I've got to go that direction because this is battle. And she reminded me that when I was in high school, I, really enjoyed and I was excited about what the chiropractor was doing for me. Now, my story with chiropractic is that when I was 16, 17 years old, I started having really bad back pain and muscle spasms. Um, and not like, hey, my muscle's tight kind of muscle spasm, but like violent twitching that would literally like, I remember one night I was busing a table at a restaurant and I was, was working as a bus boy and uh, my back spasmed so hard my feet came off the ground and I landed on the floor. Um, I could get out of bed some days. Yeah. And it was like six months of this. Like I, my back was like spasming massively. I was so anxious and nervous about pissing it off. And, and so for six months, I'm like, mom, this is killing me. You know, I couldn't go to school some days, you know, it's just, it was bad. Um, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have the ability to just go to the doctor. And so 
after a while, my mom talked to the chiropractor that went to our church and he agreed to see me and he brought me in and he did something called applied kinesiology, uh, which is a fascinating form of, of interacting with the body and allowing the body to tell you what it needs. Uh, it's, it's still on my list of systems that I want to study and learn. Um, but he did these things, these muscle tests where I you know, held my arm out and he was pushing on my arm and he was checking different things. And he's like, yeah, you have this, this, and this going on. And to me, it was voodoo. I was like, what is this man doing? This is <laughs> it's a my body, you know? Uh, I, I still jokingly call whatever I do my voodoo. Um, the body whisperer. But, and sometimes I feel like it, man. Sometimes I feel like it. Um, but yeah, so it, it spoke to me. And so when she mentioned that, I was like, you know, I did really enjoy that. I thought that was super cool. So I started looking into it and found out that at the time, life had a pre-chiropractic club called Team Chiropractic. So I joined the Team Chiropractic Club. I started working for a chiropractor in Orlando. And I realized that I really enjoyed it. Um, I had fun. I got put through the paces of having to like, you know, man a booth at the mall and screen patients and, oh, you need to come in. And it was all traditional chiropractic work. And so here's a, here's a fun one for you. There's distinctions, there's differences in the types of chiropractors that you can see. Um, there's different philosophical bases of how chiropractors approach patient care. And to put this as bluntly as I can, but as diplomatically as I can, there are those in our profession who are very happy to stick with the traditional approach of chiropractic um, it's an effective form of chiropractic where they, you know, they palpate, they adjust, and all they do is adjust. And there are those who will only adjust the top of the neck. There are those who will adjust the full spine. There are those who will adjust every joint in the body. Those individuals, their research and their science is based on uh, empirical studies of like, hey, we're doing this and this is the outcome. There are other chiropractors, on the other hand, that seek research. They seek the depth of research that other medical professions are also looking for. Um, and, and we're implementing research that's being done by other medical professions in order to maximize the understanding of what our adjustments do, how our adjustments affect the system on a neurological level, on a musculoskeletal and myofascial level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how are we getting these results and really digging into the depth of and, and everybody's different. If I could throw one thing out there for those people who are listening who have never been to a chiropractor, just remember, we're people. We all have different approaches to things, different preferences and techniques. Um, just because one guy's an asshole doesn't mean we're all assholes. <laughs> I get this all the time. People are like, oh, I went to a chiropractor and he was a horrible human being or he, you know, I didn't feel like he cared, so I never went back to a chiropractor again. And I was like, would you say the same thing about your medical doctor? Would you say the same thing about your banker? You know, like it find the people, look for the referrals, look for the, you know, the, the people in your community that go to chiropractors that love their chiropractors and check it out, see if it fits for you. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's my journey in chiropractic As I got in chiropractic school. I, I came from this, you know, traditional, I move the bone and God does the healing or I move the bone and the body does the healing for those non-religious people. Um, myself. but, um, yeah, it, it came down to, I found functional neurology and functional mm -hmm. neurology explained when you adjust this vertebrae, Right? When you take this vertebrae that's not moving and it's out of place and you adjust it, this is the pathway in the nervous system that's happening. This is the effect on the muscles that's happening. This is how it's affecting your digestive system. This is how it's affecting this over here. Uh, and the explanations were there. And then I couldn't refute that. That's what I wanted. I wanted to know why. Hmm. And I found out why. Now I get to implement it. 
There's two things I want to underscore about that. First is I I think it's important to note the the blanketed idea, I think, not for everyone, but there's a group of people around chiropractic that is, you know, chiropractors aren't to be trusted. Because, uh, you know, you have that chiropractor whom, like, I went to a chiropractor back when, when I was younger, because I was having headaches and things like that. And it seemed like I was coming back and getting the same adjustment every single time. And it was months and months and months and months and nothing shifted. I kept having to come back and nothing was permanent. And I think I would imagine that every great counselor, every great chiropractor, every great doctor, their goal is in essence to move one step closer to putting themselves out of business, meaning to, what is that? What is that for? I mean, absolutely. I agree. You are correct. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's to, if they, if I believe is if you're, if you really care about your work and you're compelled by something larger than yourself, and this isn't just doctors, psychologists, it's everyone. If whether you're a coach or you're a teacher, it's that you're one step closer to, you know, having somebody going along their way without you, without you being needed. I think that is the important. So, you know, there are those with everything though, and every, any profession, anything ever, there are those that, that population with which, you know, can't be trusted with a, with a 30 foot pole, if you will, you know, like personal trainers all the way to CrossFit instructors or you know, teachers and everything in between, you know, in it for the wrong reasons or just not committed to something larger and uh, to create this over generalization and say all people, all chiropractors, all personal trainers are all anyone, all women, all men just like are one way. It's such a, it's such a defense mechanism, but it's not a, it's not a serving mechanism. I would say because it, it, it blocks you off from an entire realm of possibilities merely because you had a couple of bad experiences. And there are people like you, people like, Dr. Sabrina Atkins, a friend of ours who are doing really yeah. great work in this field and people like myself until, you know, say a few years back, I wouldn't necessarily say I had a, a negative connotation around chiropractic. It was more of a neutral, like, I don't know if I trust it. I don't know if I distrust it, but there are people with whom are doing fantastic work and like yourself who are creating life-changing effects through this process uh, of neuroplasticity and even more things that I don't know and understand, but I continue to be curious about because it's, it's really beautiful work. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, a term that I have for um, doctors that, that, you know, continually see the patient the same way without um, getting that lasting change. And that's glorified aspirin. Um, you know, if, if you are becoming aspirin for somebody, either, you're not doing what that person needs. Um, or there are certain circumstances where the physical body will have such limiting factors that there will be a need uh, mm. for that individual to have maintenance care um, that really just keeps them on par, right? Now, maintenance care as a preventative thing is a beautiful tool. I love that. Um, but just like keeping somebody's pain at bay uh, is, mm -hmm. is a glorified aspirin unless there's something significant going on. Like, Hey, the dude's got, you know, six pounds of shrapnel in his, in his back, you know, that's going to be a limiting factor. You're probably going to be working with that guy for the rest of his life, you know? Um, so it's mm -hmm. maybe a little exaggerated. There's a lot of shrapnel. Sorry. I'm flapping flashbacks. I have a, a buddy who was, uh, yeah, that was real former military. Um, and he actually was telling me the other day about, uh, he had shrapnel exiting his, his face. His actually was on his jaw. Um, yeah. That's crazy. 
So I want to dive into a more controversial topic, which is your own personal beliefs about your work as it pertains to your ideas and call it say spiritually and how okay. you, you think that beyond what you're physically, physically manipulating, if you will, what you believe is happening perhaps at a, as an, at an energetic level, mm-hmm. if you, if you'll go there and, and play with that with me for a little bit. Sure. Okay. Um, so this is kind of fun. I, I have never talked about this on any kind of platform. Uh, I will talk about this with certain patients that I know are open-minded. Um, but I do energy work and I do energy work with my patients while I'm working with them. Mm-hmm. Most of my patients don't know. Uh, and the real estate nature is until a couple of years ago, I didn't know that I was doing it. Um, the reason I don't bring this up is because a lot of people will blanket, you know, ah, it's woo with a blanket tonight. And, and anytime you talk about it, they will shut down or they will turn away and they will stay for the experience. Um, now, if, if we're talking about specifically the neuro side of things, mm-hmm. um, that's one thing. If we're talking about the body work and the application of universal energy or Reiki energy, that kind of a thing, that's a little bit more direct. Um, at a baseline, we are all energetic beings. And our intentions, our own self-care, our own you know, innate ability to hold and move energy will affect other people. Um, and we see this in others around us all the time. We just don't recognize it as such. You know, one of the things that, um, that I oftentimes see this with is, uh, there's a modern philosopher, David data, and he talks about the ultimate expression of the feminine energy is, um, radiance, right? And so you see a, a person walk into a room. It doesn't have to be a woman, but you see a person walk into the room and they may not even be what you would consider to be the most attractive person, but they captivate you. And, and you can feel that energy coming off of them, that presence. They are pumping out energy like a nuclear reactor. And, and this <laughs> is them in that, in that moment of radiance. Um, it could be somebody performing. It could be somebody, you know, in the middle of just a general conversation or just this woman that walks into the room and you just feel the whole room kind of stop and look. Um, so we're, we're dealing with this movement and this expression of energy and this receiving of energy all the time. Uh, if we have a second, actually, my introduction into energy is kind of a fun story. I, I do Let's enjoy do telling this one. If you haven't realized, I'm a storyteller. Well, actually, uh, I was going to ask you that naturally. I was going to say, okay, where did this all begin? So it just it perfectly fits because clearly it wasn't the light bulb wasn't flipped on at some points and then it, it flipped on. No. So it's actually kind of funny. Like I told you, I started chiropractic and my experience was um, the whole like, I move the boat, God does the healing, right? And I, I was agnostic at that point anyway, something like, ah, I forget your religion. And so other people were like, oh, well, I move the bone and the body does the healing, right? And so I shunned all of that. And I said, science has the ability to garner answers. Do we have all the answers? No. Are there things beyond what we can perceive? Absolutely. But science can give me solid answers. So screw your woo-woo, I'm going after science. So my entire practice of myofascial release and adjusting and functional neurology was all based on research and clinical applications. It was all like hard foundation. And 
I was about three or four years into practice at this point. And I'm working on, it was about a, within a six month period, this all happened. I was working on a few different patients and either the patient or their significant other that was with them made a comment. And the comment was along the lines, every time it was along the lines about the same thing of, oh, I see what you're doing. You're doing energy work. And I'm like, nah, I'm doing myofascial release. Like I'm, I'm breaking up scar tissue adhesions, allowing this system to move. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, honey, you're doing energy. I can feel it from here. I can see what you're doing. But to me, science mind, I'm like, eh, you're talking woo-woo, whatever. I'm going to keep working. After about the fifth or sixth person that mentioned this, I was like, all right, something's going on, right? If, if six independent people tell you the same thing, it's worth looking into. So I called my mentor, um, Dr. Mark Ellis, up in, in Marietta, Georgia. The dude is a Jedi with the body and the brain. If anybody's in that area and you need help, talk to Dr. Mark Ellis. Love this man. I actually get to see him next week. I'm going up to Georgia next week uh, nice. to see my partner, and I'm going to go shadow him for, for a day. Um, I call him, and I'm like, Ellis, like, people are saying I'm doing energy work. What's the deal? And, and his, his style over the phone, he's like, well, yeah, man, of course. We've always done energy work. Like, <laughs> like, what the F? I was like, why didn't you ever tell me this is what I was like, you know, this was part of what I was doing. He's like, you couldn't handle it. <laughs> I was like, dude, dude, you're probably right. I trust his judgment to, to the end of the earth. Um, he's, he's one of those people who's incredibly intuitive and, um, he just sees things in a different way. You know, it's, it's like a beautiful mind when you've got like the layers of numbers and things happening. Like, I don't understand how he does it, but he does. So it was at that point when I realized, okay, there's something to what these people are saying. Do I understand it? No. Can I perceive it? Not really. Um, what I could perceive at that time is that if I was really in the groove working with somebody, my hands would get really hot and, and I would ge just generate a lot of heat from my hands. Um, and so I started just trying to observe. And over the course of the next few years, it was just, well, let me put my intention in here. Let me try this. Let me, you know, I'm working on this person. Let me just kind of visualize moving this energy through, flushing the system out. I'm visualizing opening up these scar tissue adhesions. I'm, I'm visualizing doing what I'm doing. And over the course of those three years or so, um, I noticed that there were things happening, results that were occurring that I could not explain. Um, more and more things were happening that I just couldn't explain. There was a great one where I'm working on this martial artist, right? So he's a, uh, like Taekwondo, but he was doing uh, a staff competition. He was gonna do like a performance at a, at a competition for bow staff. And his shoulder was all jacked up. And so he comes in, I'm working on it. And I turned his shoulder off. And when I say I turned his shoulder off, I mean like he's sitting there, shoulders, it goes, and it drops out. And he has no muscular tone in his shoulder. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 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 I don't know what just happened. But, <laughs> yeah, right? I wouldn't have told him that in the moment. But it, one of the premises in functional neurology is that if you can activate a system to push it one way, you can activate the counter of that system to push it back, right? We can almost always go backwards unless a person's system is just fatigued to the point that it needs just rest. So I was like, cool, watch this. You know, I, got, I was like, I'm gonna fix this, right? So I was like, okay, cool, watch this. So I 
did the opposite of what I was doing. And it just came back online. And at the end of that session, um, I remember telling it, because the work I do, the myofascial release work I do is super gentle. It's not like that deep stretching, ripping you apart kind of stuff. It's really light force. He's like, dude, I thought you were ripping me off. Uh, he's like, I, I thought you were just taking my money, not doing anything. And then you did that with my shoulder. And he's like, now I can move my shoulder through a full range of motion without any pain, without any tightness. It's like, I don't know what you did, but thank you. And I was like, cool. In my mind, I'm like, I don't know what I did either, but but it's been interesting and it's led to uh, a journey into Reiki as well. And I've been having real fun. So the, the first part was using universal energy. I had innate ability to use universal energy and I was able to um, use that with other people's bodies. And I found that certain people are more open than others. Um, some people would respect or would respond to it better, receive it better. Um, and then with Reiki, which is also a really cool story how that came into being, if you want to hear that one in a second. But um, Coming up next on yeah. the Follow the Wolf podcast, Reiki with Colin Barto. <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've, I've learned to use, I'm still learning Reiki, but I've learned to use universal energy fairly well. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning to use Reiki energy. And there's some differences as far as like, you know, hmm. having um, a consent from the person. Reiki will not necessarily work without consent. Um, but I can get different it feels a little bit different and I can get different results. Um, hmm. So yeah, y- using energy and healing the body is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful tool to add to the tool belt. Is it the only thing? Is it like, oh my God, I'm gonna break you and all of my problems go away? But no, absolutely not. Um, we need multiple tools to handle any job. But hmm. yeah. So did you want to hear the Reiki story? And here we are. We're back. And round two. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll keep this one short, right? Take it wherever it needs to go. I'm here for the journey. Reiki. Cool. I I love to tell stories. So, yeah. This is all new for me. I've I've known you for a while. We've gone to some some deep places, some light, some dark. This is all brand new for me. So, I'm entertained. Cool. I'm glad I can still entertain. Um, Okay. So, setting is... Day third, Um, My, (laughs) It was a rainy night in Gotham City. (laughs) Um, So uh, I had just had a a conscious uncoupling with my serious primary partner. Um, Absolutely wonderful woman. I actually got to talk to her today. Uh, I love this woman dearly. I always will. But we had just decided to separate because there was you know, differences between us that we're not going to be able to be reconciled. Um, I had also just lost my dad. And uh, I have a history of being in pain almost all the time. You know, I tell patients this all the time, like I'm in pain pretty much every day of my life. I'm in pain right now. Um, And so my body's hurting, my heart's hurting, my soul's hurting, my brain's not working right. Like I was just wrecked, you know, uh, from the ground up. And in the office that I work in, uh, we have shared space. So we've got, you know, my chiropractic office, we've got an acupuncturist, we've got yoga, we've got massage, and we've got a Reiki master. And she comes in, you know, every now and then, every couple of days or so she'll come in. Um, and I was like, hey, Jennifer, like, will you, will you work on me? Uh, I'll trade you. I'll work on you, you work on me. 
And I was like, I don't know what you can do to help me, but I need something. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have anything else that can help me right now. And so I get on the table and this is my first experience with Reiki. I don't understand Reiki very much. And I lay down and over the course of an hour, I think she touched me maybe one time. And it was like, she put like a finger like on my forehead or on my chest or something like that. But it was, it was minimal to no contact. At the end of that hour session, I rose from that table feeling calm, feeling at peace. I had no pain. I was a little tired. I was really, really relaxed. But I was in such a state of peace that I almost wanted to cry. It was like, it was the vacancy of all of this overwhelming energy. And it was just like, oh, I'm grounded. Everything's okay. And I told her in that moment, I was like, I don't know what you did to me, but I need more of that. And I want to learn what you did because I want to offer that to other people. And that was the beginning of me getting my level one and level two Reiki certifications so far. Uh, I'm looking to do level three soon, but I personally feel like I need more time practicing uh, specifically with Reiki before I proceed to that next level. But it, it was powerful. It was very powerful for me. And I've used it successfully. Like I've had patients nowadays, like it's kind of funny though. They'll, they'll get off the table. I won't tell them what I'm doing. They'll get up and they'll just be like, I am so relaxed right now. And it's like, yep. You're welcome. <laughs> like, I, I buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, man, energy is, is powerful. Do I understand it? No. Do I believe it's real? Absolutely. There are so many things outside of what we can perceive because our sight, our hearing, our taste, our touch, uh, these are the only tools with which we have to experience our realities. And there are so many things beyond what we can perceive. And the more tools we develop, you know, microscopes and telescopes and, you know, infrared cameras and different things, we start expanding what we can perceive. But is there more beyond that? Absolutely. And can we impact and influence it? Absolutely. But I don't know how to explain it. Hmm. You I don't you, know. I want to hear your experience you, with energy. Well, I was going to say, uh, you don't know this, but I have been divinely guided, if you will, to becoming yoga teacher certified. So I'm actually taking that on and we'll be getting that journey very soon. Yeah. I'm very, very yes. pumped. Yes. I'm very, yes. I'm super fucking pumped. I, so one of the things that I've figured out about my, my life's purpose, if you will, is I want to become masterful at movement. And yes. functional movement and just blending, basically being my own uh, Bruce Lee of movement and just like taking all these different forms and then blending them into whatever this mold is and being able to to share movement as a bridge is ultimately what I'm connecting is between the mind and the body and someone like myself. And I think also you in a way I'm willing to, to poke that because I know you well enough. Uh, people who are very intellectual to our own detriment sometimes who vacate our body and leave our feelings and emotions behind for analytical, rational thought. Not that there isn't a time and place for that, but you know, there's also a time and a place to allow ourselves to be with the experience. And I think that movement is, uh, as I'm calling it, movement is my choice of medicine. It's my weapon that I want to take into battle to, to slay the demons that are 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm no mental health counselor, uh, but I do know that movement is medicine and that movement has helped me walk through some really dark times, some, some very uncertain, some very painful times in life. And I've always wanted to have an impact in mental health because somebody who's struggled severely with depression and anxiety, I would say that movement saved my life because it did. And when I made this proclamation very recently, in fact, because I've been so down in the intellectual realm between going to college and getting that degree and then jumping straight into Landmark because of you, Landmark Education, which was very heady still, like very deep, like leadership and self-expression work and all these things, but it's very heady. It's very intellectual in, in that way. And then naturally that landed into uh, Red Elephant, which is the business development group that I got in. So I was just like absorbing all of that knowledge. But what was missing was something to take all of that knowledge and dump it into a physical practice that really was calling to my soul. And oddly, a person who's practiced fuck over probably 10 to 12 sports, including acro yoga, acrobatics, hand balancing, capoeira, calisthenics, all these various movement practices that didn't click with me in my brain that I could do something with all of these seemingly separate puzzle pieces in the form of movement. So I had a calling to get into animal flow and I've been doing my own version of flow for a little while, but nothing structured. And when it came full circle and I was just like, I want to be open to this. I want to be open to the possibility of becoming animal, animal flow or just flow certified, especially after having gone to Okeechobee Music Festival and partaking in a class where a woman held this Budokan class, which is all about animal flow and locomotion. And I just had so much fun. And it was so embodied and tying it into my, my wanting to you know, have my own peace and fighting mental health related issues. For somebody who gets stuck in their head so much, to be able to vacate that premise and to come into the body and find peace through movement. And I remember the exact quote, I don't have it offhand, but a quote that I uh, had read uh, from Bruce Lee, it said that uh, stillness, what is it? Is it meditation and stillness or stillness and meditation is not real stillness, but rather stillness and movement is true meditation. And what the finger was pointing at is, you know, we can meditate and Zen out all day, right? We can intend for a future and and manifest and visualize, but ultimately at some point we have to go out into the world and we're going to be put into the, the, the chamber and the battlefield to see if the, the, the the things that we've practiced and intentioned are going well, right? You get caught off and cut off in the, while you're driving to work, are you going to remain in that mindful meditative state or are you going to slip back into your unconscious patterning, that subconscious realm, if you will, or are you going to choose to continue, as they say, to stay in meditation, to stay in mindfulness, to stay in the present moment, or will you revert back to your past? And movement became my way of generating a meditative state amidst any amount of chaos that was going on in the world. And I was talking to a buddy whom he's known. I've been kind of in this, I've been doing, you know, coaching for youth for a little while and I've been seeing great results, but it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was fueling the fire of what I was really trying to create. And he had mentioned 
that he was going to get animal flow certified and he knew somebody and they were offering this course. It was like, you know, 700 bucks to get animal flow certified. I'm like, that's not bad. Like, you know, 700 bucks to me to like really make a massive milestone in that direction. Like shit, like I paid thousands and thousands of dollars for a degree I don't use. I'd be willing to pay $700 for something that I'll use. And when I looked into it, it said that you had to have one of three certifications, personal training, ACE group or group coaching of some sort or yoga teacher certification. And my immediate thought process was fuck, fuck, and fuck. Cause I have none of those <laughs> offhand. So naturally <laughs> I went into, okay, well, if I had to pick one, what would I do? And I was like, okay, group coaching certification, like, you know, that'd probably be like the cheapest and easiest to do. And that might kind of point in that direction. And my, and then I was like, personal training is like, ah, I don't think I really want to become like a personal trainer. Like that doesn't really call to me. It did in high school. Uh, but then I heard yoga teacher certification and naturally what my brain wanted to go to on its own subconscious was, oh, those things are pretty expensive though. And like, you really want to go abroad and do it and like study in India or like, you know, somewhere real sacred and like, you know, immerse yourself in that. And, uh, it was around this time as I'm, you know, kind of undecided. I haven't picked which one it's going to be. I went through a, a pretty difficult period. This was actually only within the past couple of weeks this happened, but I was going through a, a difficult period of uh, lacking in clarity and being in a difficult situation with a potential partner and being in this realm of like the unknown of what was coming next. And I was in meditation and it got to a point where it was becoming seemingly impossible to sit still. And I was getting really anxious and I was getting really like riled up and like to the point where I just wanted to get up and move, which naturally say, right. When you want to get up is when the real practice begins. So I sat there for a little bit longer and I just like got to the end of it. And then as I got to the end of it, I like slumped down, like frustrated and pissed, just like yelling, like, uh, I, God, source, universe, whatever the, you know, chosen name. Like I, I lately have been saying, you know, source or God, like, you know, why won't you talk to me? Like, I'm just asking for a finger, like point me in the right direction. I feel like I've been doing all this work. I've been showing up. I've been doing everything I can, but I feel like I'm doing this all on my own. Mm. And then right as I got to like a brief moment of silence in that, and I like was passing out going back to sleep, mind you, this is in the morning. I just heard the word surrender and I went to sleep. I woke up 45 minutes later and I was frustrated because I had just fallen asleep in the morning and I need to get going in my day, but I said, fine, I'll stop. I'll go and do my journal. Like I know that I'm committed to doing and I go and I journal. And whilst I'm journaling, mind you, I was basically begging God universe. One, I wanted direction. And two, I just wanted to cry because I had so much emotion that was pimped up that wouldn't get released. Hence the head guy disconnected from his body, difficult to express emotions sometimes. So I go to writing in this journal and it was about my mom in particular, because I realized that I've had a very disconnected and disjointed disgruntled relationship with my mom and perfect that this is coming full circle. I recently started taking on a gratitude practice and it came out of listening to a podcast. And she's like, I list 10 things every single day. And actually my brain was doing like, there's no fucking way you're going to get me to do 10 gratitude things every single day. I'm not going to commit to that. I know myself, at least in the beginning, well, to know I'm not going to do that every single day. I'll do it a few. And then it'll be a day where I don't feel like, and I won't do it. So I said to myself, okay, but you can do one. 
you can do one thing that you're grateful for. And when you state, I'm grateful for this, because normally it's right, grateful for my mom, grateful for my dad, grateful for food, and just like fucking go on. And it's just like, a, you know, another task to do. But I said, no, you're going to write what you're grateful for and why. So I pull out my journal and I write my mom. And then naturally I write, why are you grateful for your mom? And without directly answering the question, I started writing out all of the things that in a way me separately or me and my mom collectively had been, had gone through and had been going through and how she had overcome so much and did so much for me and loved me and continued to support me. And by the end of a two, two page long written thing, which I've never done anything like that in the form of gratitude, like just two pages, just writing all this shit out right at the end. I asked myself the question again, why are you grateful for your mom? And I wrote, I'm grateful for my mom because no matter how far I go physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I know that she loves me. And as I wrote those final words and throughout this tears, like I haven't experienced them forever, just come streaming out of my face, not as coming out of my face. Everything is coming out of this, out of my face. And again, the whole concept of surrender comes is coming into this experience. Cause I'm like, it's like, why won't you let me cry? Like, why won't you give me the answer? And I just start sobbing and sobbing and I just like smile and I'm just like, okay, I got it. Thank you. And then I proceeded to grab my book because I commit to reading at least one page in a book a day. Again, just creating those habits. And it's in the book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. It's by Dr. Joe Dispenza, who is a renowned neuroscientist and you know, in epigenetics and neurogenesis and things like that. Up your ballpark. Uh, I've been very deeply fascinated by the, by the sphere of neuroscience, so I've been in my own journey around it. But wouldn't you know it, that when I pull to the page that I'm reading for that day, we're in step five or six, I believe it's step six of the meditation. And step six of the meditation is called surrender. Mm. So I shit myself a little bit. <laughs> Wouldn't you fucking know it? So <laughs> I'm like, hmm. Okay, that's number two. And I believe in the rule of threes. So go about my day, roll downstairs, start making breakfast. And it was around that time when I checked my phone and I received a link from a friend of mine whom these days, uh, right, let me get back to the point. A friend of mine who sends me a link to listen to something. And these days I have people sending me links all the time. Go check this, watch this, whatever. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go do that because there's just so many. I just told you this right before we got on the podcast. You were like, go watch the show. And I was just like, Probably not going to do it unless you send it to me because I now have a list and I go through that list. So she sends me this <laughs> link. This is actually, this is when I created this habit because I was just like, okay, cool. I wasn't getting to them. So then I took it and I said, I'll listen to this at some point. And I took the link and I went to put it down. But as I went to put it down in, in my, catalog, my catalog of things to come back to, I looked at it and it was a podcast from Michael Singer who wrote the book, The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment. And the podcast was about surrender and what surrender is in practice, not as a concept, but the true application and practical formulation of surrender. Who is the author? Michael Singer. Michael Singer, really, really fascinating guy. He actually has a, a, he has a temple, a yoga facility as well here in Florida, actually North. Mm -hmm. And he's also like apparently an owner of a billion dollar company, real interesting guy. So, 
excuse me. I can send you that link, by the way. It was phenomenal. It changed my life. It is changing my life. But I'm listening to this podcast and I'm just like, oh, I actually hadn't fully gotten into it, but I briefly after started listening to a little bit, got on a call with my friend, Tracy, whom is a really, really brilliant person, Tracy Rickard. She's a yoga teacher as well as massage therapist and very into the realm of the energetics and things like that. And I asked her about this topic of surrender and, and, and pointing at my journey of realizing that right now, my number one goal in life is to love myself because I know that. I have not had an un an unfiltered and unadulterated and consistent level of love for myself. And that naturally flows over into others. And that what I want more than anything is to to have that love for myself and to become more embodied, to be in my body versus in my head. And I told her about what was going on with the surrender thing and and how I'd I had the idea of possibly getting yoga teacher certified because my buddy who was saying the animal flow thing and I get on the phone with her and I'm talking about it and she was just like, yoga would be the absolute perfect thing for what you're wanting to do because its entirety is about surrender. It's about surrendering to that mind body connection and being able to connect yourself in that way and learning how to surrender to the, the vinyasa, the practice, if you will, because it's not about the movements. It's about being in the experience versus trying to analyze the experience. And that is like the true expression of yoga in its way, right? To, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting what the, the definition of yoga is. I once said the lumer to we, but that's tantra, but yoga is uh, union. I believe it's union. Um, I should also remember this, but I don't. <laughs> it's, it's leaving me. I think, I think it's union, I believe. Someone's gonna be like, excuse me, the yoga instructor's gonna be like, excuse me, that's not actually it. But I believe the basic meaning of yoga is union. Uh, obviously, I would imagine between soul and physical embodiment. So <laughs> I say, okay, I'm going to open myself up to this possibility of yoga. And we'll see, like, she's like, oh, maybe look up discounts or whatever. So I messaged my buddy back who I'm in cahoots with about this, you know, figure out the yoga thing. And I was like, I'm looking for discounts. Like you're putting out the universe for scholarships. And, and he says, hey, man, maybe you should just don't worry about that, but manifest more income. And I was just like, okay, like that's a good idea too. Like both of those are great mm -hmm. options. Like whatever it is, like I'm open to either one of those. So I'm practicing surrender, you know, whatever the universe, mm -hmm. like I've tried to do this shit on my own my entire life. I'm, 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 I'm okay with believing that it's not me trying to, to do all this, uh, on my own. So I hop on a, uh, a video call with some, some people that I do business development with, and they're all sharing their journeys and what they're up to. And, uh, then they asked me kind of like calls coming to its gentle end. And they asked me what I'm up to. And I said that, you know, for the first time in my life in a really long time, I'm finding a supreme level of peace because I feel like I'm starting to truly understand and have clarity around where I'm going in my life and that the puzzle pieces are truly starting to assimilate. And although I don't have it all perfectly laid out now, I'm just peaceful with where I'm at and shared the whole piece about, you know, wanting to get yoga teacher certified and, and how I'm really deciding that movement is the platform that I'm going to take everything that I've ever learned and been through and top it right on top of, like just take it, just control all control C control V put this shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes, yes, yes. So call ends, pick up my phone, check my texts. And wouldn't you know, I get a text from a friend saying, Hey, 
there is this, uh, mind you, I haven't told this person anything about my intention of yoga, but I get a text from this person saying, Hey, there's this course that's going to be done. It's $375 and it's yoga Alliance certified, completely yoga teacher certified and everything. And you get your register with yoga Alliance. And I like start jumping up and down, freaking the fuck out. Cause I'm like, uh, how uh, uh, does this happen? So naturally what is happening now is that is going underway. And I also have the desire to get into Reiki as well, which is interesting you point at, but I have taken this path more recently of allowing myself to dive into these realms from a, from a guided perspective, because I've almost exclusively tried to do these things on my own reading books and articles and talking to people, which is great. I get to have, uh, a really beautiful experience and in a way like an unbiased perspective, or I guess only my own bias, but unfiltered by that of others. And now to take it and, and put it into a, a structured context is going to be a really, really beautiful journey. Mm -hmm. I would really like to see you uh, incorporating that, that Reiki energy kind of movement with, uh, with the body movement. And I'm, I'm glad you, had other people tell you uh, that yoga was the perfect choice for this progression? Because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, dude, for you, yoga is is twofold. One, it's got that spirituality side of it that, that resonates with you. Mm -hmm. But two, the type of movement that you're going to learn in yoga mm -hmm. versus the type of movement that you're going to learn in a personal training thing is different. And this is so much more your style. You know, we're not talking about doing reps of isolated movements. You're wanting to do functional, dynamic, animalistic types of movements. And having the foundation and the understanding of anatomy and physiology uh, and, and static flexibility, dynamic strength and flexibility, and, and all the things that yoga can provide is the perfect foundation for that animal training. Um, and so just for anybody who's listening, uh, I'm also a certified yoga instructor. I don't teach classes, but I use it for my patients. Um, and I've actually, for a number of years, I taught the anatomy and physiology for teacher trainings. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have a, a pretty in-depth knowledge of how the anatomy and physiology is functioning. And uh, I don't know if you knew this. I actually did a talk. Um, I had a three-part talk that I did. I partnered up with a yogi friend of mine. And I would do the body and brain effects of yoga and mm -hmm. she would do the spiritual effects of a yoga practice. And so we talk about how the breath and the meditation and the movement, how it would change actual brain function and how it would change the physiological, you know, function of the body. Uh, and of course the spirituality side of things. So that was a fun one. I missed doing that talk. It's good. That's super sick. No, I didn't know that. That's brand new for me. Yeah. And if and you want to get Reiki certified, let me know. Um, my, my, instructor and friend uh does those intro courses and they're, they're reasonable very reasonable to get started with it's it's on my it i am now more avidly diving into this realm because i've kind of had it that i have to wait like one day that'll happen but now i'm just clear i'm like this is what soul's been calling for like i'm i'm pumped about it i'm jazzed about it. like to me like i'm oh god excuse me there, there was i can't remember what i heard but it said that enthusiasm uh enthusiasm the like the root definition of it is to be possessed by to be possessed by the gods or to be possessed by God in a way. It's like it's in a way it's 
the breadcrumbs. It's the Hansel and Gretel. It's the finger pointing like, yes, 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 yes. And then naturally ego wants to kick in and say, oh, well, we can't do that. Comes up with all the reasons why not. But when you remove them and you just say, this is my intention and flow is the space as I come to understand it between, it's the space between intention and surrender. I have an idea, universe, Jesus, take the wheel. Like let's, Mm. you know, let's see what comes up. And next thing you know, a yoga teacher certification is, is a possibility. And that is to me, I think the, that will be the foundation that I get to move from. And I've been saying for a little while now, I was like, man, like I have a yearning to want to learn about anatomy and physiology and like understanding the, the body a little bit more, but I don't want to go to school for it. And I don't want to, you know, pick up a textbook and start going through a textbook. Like I won't motivate me, but to have a practical application of, Oh, this is what you're doing and understand why you're doing it that I can get on board with. So that puzzle piece that was, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get there is now also coming into play. And of course I just happened to know a Dr. Colin Barto who, who taught this stuff as well. So if I got questions. I know where to point a finger at. I can give you all of my PowerPoints and stuff that I created. Uh, and I can, you know, help Let's Let's sit down and have a drink and, you know, talk fascia, talk, you know, muscle systems, talk, you know, neurology she you know let's have some fun with it hell yeah i love to teach I, I, did i tell you i stopped teaching last year you did yeah you went okay. full into your practice yeah um i kind of miss teaching to be honest I, I found that i i end up teaching my patients a lot more than i used to just because i get that fix from like explaining and teaching and helping people to understand things hmm. yeah. yeah it's good I'm excited to see where your journey goes. Oh, also, um, sorry. Um, my former partner, uh, the redhead that we were talking about a little bit ago, um, she actually got her Reiki certification. Oh, um, yeah, and a yoga teacher certification. Uh, so she's teaching yoga now, doing online classes since it's, of course, quarantine pandemic central. Um, <laughs> but this girl has such an innate ability with energy. It is insane. I saw her two weeks ago um, for the first time in months. And I'm wearing, I have a pendant that I always wear. It's a black tourmaline. It's a little protect, uh, protective piece that I wear. And mm -hmm. she walks up and gives me a hug. And she's like, that's powerful. And I look down and I pull my necklace out. I'm like, this? And she's like, yeah. She's like, I can feel that walking up to you. And I was like, okay. And this was just another confirmation. I already knew this woman was on point. Like she, she had always been connected with, with energy, with understanding spirituality and, and energy movement. And then, so I had been certified in Reiki for a few months before she got hers. And I had experienced a professional like master working on me and I had experienced what it was like to work on other people and they're, you know, um, their response of what it felt like for them, uh, to have her work on me was almost like having the master work on me. And I'm like, what is this crap? I'm working at this so hard. And I'm like, down here, you just started. And you're like, way up here. <laughs> um, I, I feel like this woman, like in a previous life was, you know, a medicine woman, a powerful energy worker. Yeah. She must've been a medicine woman. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for her journey on that too. She's, she's going into creating her own yoga studio. We'll see. Dude, 
Oh, that's sick. You know, something I, I haven't I haven't told you about my my now long term vision is to create uh, it's by day. It's getting more defined, but to create this like sustainable, sustainable, sustainable community commune place, basically just like taking all the people, all the tribe and putting them in this one place and like living almost very tribal, but also having this on-site facility, this, uh, this like sanctuary den, if you will, that is going to be housing this like functional movement center and, and has spaces for like exercise and working out, but also a space for like movement and yoga and, and those types of practices mixed with a place for workshops and retreats and like a space for like knowledge. So it's like the, the mind part, the body part. And then like generally the soul part is, as kind of all collectively coming together in an onsite place for cooking. Cause I have like a friend who's like a chef, multiple friends who are like Ayurvedic chefs and things like that. And in essence, creating this sanctuary is I'm, I'm playing with the wording of it, but uh, a space Dude, for that's un- like a campus. That's like a movement university. Yes. That's- yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the main campus of this movement university, you know, would be a place where, you know, you can travel for these courses. Maybe you've yes. got places to stay as well. Uh, you know, you've got locals, you know, kind of like our, our movement sanctuary over here. we got some locals that are always there and always engaged. Yep. Um, but yeah, that sounds brilliant, dude. I would love to go take classes there or have... Yes. If it's local enough for me, go over there and just train and work on my own movement. Because I find that, you know, as somebody who's done a lot of different movement styles, kind of like you, you know, like I haven't done as many organized sports, but mm-hmm. between yoga, acro yoga, you know, karate, Muay Thai, jujitsu, flow arts, dance, you know, all these different things that I get into, um, the circus arts, you know, acrobatic aerials and pole and all that kind of stuff. Like, I understand that when I go heavily into one type of movement, I lose functionality in other areas. And, and like right now with the quarantine, perfect example, I was doing CrossFit style workouts every morning over at my gym. Um, I was there, you know, either 7am or 5.45am. And then I was doing um, yoga like one day a week in the morning, if I could get myself to do it. And then in the afternoons, it was Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. Mm. And so like I was working out sometimes twice a day, at least once a day, five to six days a week, um, and constantly doing these things. But the moment that the quarantine hit, I stopped doing CrossFit. And now it was like, well, I'm going to work out on my own. So I reverted back to what I used to have this, uh, this routine where I'd make up my own workouts. I called it the wussy cakes workouts. The wussy cakes workouts. Exactly. I felt like a wuss. And I felt like, man, my body is not strong. I'm not defined. I'm not able to do these things. So I'm going to push and I'm going to come up with these crazy dynamic movements. This was back when I was first in practice. And uh, so the wussy cake workouts, uh, I would run to the park I, at lunch break, right? So I'd, I'd go home at lunch. I'd run to the park uh, wearing like board shorts and nothing else, like five pounds <laughs> of board shorts. That was my workout attire. I'd run to the playground and sometimes there'd be like moms with their kids and stuff. And I come over here, you know, like shirtless sweating, you know, doing workouts. That was sometimes kind of awkward, but also very entertaining. Um, and so I would do handstand pushups and I, I built up my ability to do strict muscle ups and I was doing, you know, aerial clapping pushups and like all of these crazy dynamic movements. And I was very functionally fit and I was strong and defined and it felt great. When I got back into this quarantine mode of like, well, I've got 30 pound dumbbells. I've got a Swiss ball. I've got a kettlebell. I've got some handstand canes and I got a blanket, a yoga mat, right? Uh, That's a lot. Um, Well, it became 
moving my body through space Mm -hmm. dynamically, a lot more yoga. I've gotten to the point that I'm doing, um, doing FaceTime yoga with my, uh, my partner from Georgia three days a week in the morning, we light up our FaceTimes and we, we do yoga. One of us will lead it because she's also a yoga instructor and an aerial performer and aerial instructor and all that. But I found that my body is more mobile. Mm-hmm. I found that I'm becoming more defined. Mm. Um, you know, even though I'm working out the same, I'm not really working out all that much more. Uh, I'm becoming much more defined and I'm becoming more functionally fit. I feel good. And I feel like I'm not pushing myself to the point of injury like I was when I was doing CrossFit. Cause like, I love CrossFit. I love the, the intensity of the workouts. I love the weights. I love doing things, but I have my own injuries, right? I've got two knees that don't want to play. I've got a shoulder that doesn't want to play. I've got a little back and hip flexor injury. And now I think I've got a torn labrum in my hip. And it's like, cool. Do I really want to keep pushing myself at that level? Is that giving me a benefit in the long term? And the answer for me was no, right? For everybody, it's different. But for me, it was no. And I've been finding that I really enjoy this. Wake up and do yoga. Get myself centered. Get myself warmed up and moving and, and open. And then later on in the afternoon, if I've got time, I'll do some, you know, body movement, some, you know, dumbbell workouts. And yeah. So I love the idea of this movement university, this, this concept of having a space for all of these different types of movements with the, you know, the, the specific instructors and the variability and the ability to um, understand your movement. Mm. It's something that I see a lot of, of issue with, or I, I take a lot of issue with when it comes to, we go to the gyms, you know, we go to these big main places, you know, whether it's lifting weights or dynamic workouts, or we're going to keep your heart rate at a certain level or, you know, functional movements, or there's always these pre-programmed types of exercises, but people do not understand their movement. Hmm. They don't understand how to think about their movement. They don't understand the intention of the movement. Um, and the, the problem, the fallout from this comes to injuries every time and a lack of motivation. Yeah. I mean, that's for me, it's job security, right? Like it's a, it's a <laughs> bittersweet thing because you know, I want to make a living, but like you said, I also try to put myself out of business as often as possible. Uh, I've actually had the, I guess it's kind of a badge of honor. I put myself out of business three times. Uh, when I was first starting, nice. I got to the point that I had enough patience and then I fixed everybody. I was like, shit. I need more people. Y'all, y'all got <laughs> referrals. Y'all did a good job. Go tell somebody. Exactly. Let somebody know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now it's getting better now that I've got, you know, a ton of Google reviews and stuff, but it's, uh, yeah, that, that understanding of movement is a beautiful thing and it creates long-term health, long-term understanding and motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's potential for it to be used, um, symbiotically or concurrently with other study, other forms of study, you know, whether it's spirituality, energy, whatever, to develop people uh, more well-rounded. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wings are, are still being uh, understood and examined, but yeah, it's the, the vision continues to expand because ultimately I want it, uh, we want it. It's not, it's not mine. I'm very clear. It's not mine. It's ours. It's whoever decides to wants to be a part of it because I have no claim to it whatsoever, but we want to create this space. And it's like this idea of unlearning and remembering because ultimately we want to create a space for people to unlearn all the bullshit that they've been told that they have to be and who they are. And to just remember, I believe that we came into this world with everything we needed. We forgot 
in our journey is remembering because it's like the whole energy can't be created nor destroyed. Part of me thinks that we go and we read books and we think we're learning something. I just think we're remembering. That's just my belief. It's just, it's, it's in the collective consciousness, if you will, the collective unconscious is, as Carl Jung said, that we're just, we're just remembering what other have already been. It just is, it's already there. We're just like, Oh, look at that. And we rediscover and being able to create a hub for people to have that remembering space and to bring in people from around the world, people like yourself and to like share the knowledge and to, to have fun ultimately coming back to having fun and using movement as medicine, play dance, ecstatic dance, like using all these these spaces for, for ceremony. Mm -hmm. That's that's the, I've been back to ecstatic dance in a hot minute. I haven't either since probably burning man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a hot minute. Yeah. That was, that was like seven, eight months ago. However long it was, we canceled it this year. Boohoo. I'll go next year. Must go next year. Oh man, this has been fun. It's almost six o'clock. We've been talking for a hot. Yeah, we've been talking for a hot minute. That one, as soon as we started talking about movement, we went right down the world. (laughs) (laughs) Movement and spirituality and energy. And now I'm like, man, what am I going to do for my workout when I get home? I need to squeeze in something before I uh, eat dinner and try to get some more work for the office done, and then wind it down my my recent addiction has been uh the witcher three you're not the only person i've heard that one yeah i've had a little of addiction i've I've, i really have to restrain myself i've been playing call of duty i started picking up video games again but i have to i saw myself slipping i was like oh you're slipping homie you're staying up too late it happened twice which i don't play video games that much but i used to be addicted I used to be like a every single day for hours type person to the point where I would neglect responsibilities. And uh, I, I saw it happening and good thing awareness is a beautiful thing. So I'm like, ooh, you can't play video games Monday through Thursday, Sunday night through Thursday because you're going to stay up late. Friday night, Saturday night, you're good to go because then you can just, you can do it unadulterated, have fun, let it all go. But it, it'll get you. It'll, so I get it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things, man. Like I got myself a PS4 for the quarantine. Cause like, if I'm going to be isolated alone, cause part of my thing too, is like, it's the quarantine, but I'm still open and I'm still seeing patients. Yep. And so I have to try to isolate myself as much as possible. So I am no longer, or I reduce my risk to be a vector of transmission to my patients. Right. Cause you know, you don't want to give your patients. The illness. Yeah. But I got sucked into the Witcher three and it's, it feeds that itch or it scratches that itch that I have. And then, like you said, you step up staying up too late. And like this past weekend, I kind of went on like a bender. I was up until like three in the morning on Saturday. And I was like, I have to go to sleep. And I was like, I've got projects I've got to work on for the office on Saturday. And I got up and I'm like, I'm too tired to focus on these projects. I should probably play video games. Mainline me some Witcher 3. So yeah, I'm like, all right, I've been trying to like minimize it down. And like, if I play too late, then I don't sleep right. Cause it's a very high energy game. Oh, totally. I'm killing monsters. <laughs> so I'm only allowed to play from like eight to like nine 30, but we'll see. See, we'll this is, this is, I like your game of restraint. Cause I, I did the call of duty that'll get you wired too. just uh, twitch reflex. Uh, 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 you're like checking every single corner. Mm-hmm. It definitely puts you into freaking sympathetic nervous system activation <laughs> straight. Just like, <sighs> it's just back in now. Just, 
just waiting. He's like, there's no respawns on this game mode. I got to be really in tune. <laughs> uh, speaking of books you should check out, um, The Game is Life is a series. You have to text me that because they ain't going to so the first book. The first book is called The Game. And the idea is that the reality that we find ourselves in is a simulation. <laughs> and this is a, it's a computer simulation. It's a VR. It's a very, very high-tech VR. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they explain our reality from that perspective in very creative ways, a very beautiful way. Um, and so, yeah, go check that out. Uh, if anybody else is listening and wants to like read a, a, a cool, just it's part philosophy, part, you know, sci-fi. Um, but it, it's really interesting. It'll make you question your reality a bit. Um, yeah, sounds good, Morty. We'll make that happen. <laughs> I'm right. glad you called me Morty. It was naturally, naturally, it just felt like the right thing to say because, you know, Rick and Morty and diving into interdimensional cable, uh, you know, just got to keep it or out of planes. <laughs> yes, that is so. So text me that one because you know how I be. Got to put it on my list or it ain't going to happen. I heard but, Yeah, man. Thank you for, for being on this journey with me and for people who are wanting to, to stay connected with the doctor. What is, uh, what's a good way for them to get in touch? Yeah, so um, the easiest way to contact us is check us out at the office. Um, the number is 407-494-0053. Uh, I love to talk and teach. I'm happy to listen to what's going on uh, with people. But you can also check out the website. It's the, it's the word the, right? so the FNCC, short for Functional Neurology Chiropractic Center, uh, .com. Um, the website's got some information, social media, We've got the FNCC or FNCC Orlando, I believe is our, our uh, Instagram. And we're actually we're implementing something fun right now where um, my staff is doing Monday through Wednesday. And then I've got Thursday and Friday. So Thursday, I do videos where I explain different things, so the, the theme of the week. And then Friday is always a fun picture from me. So there's some silly pictures of me from back in the day. And there's some fun pictures of me skydiving and base jumping and all kinds of crazy stuff. So yeah, um, hit us up good for conversation, good for helping people heal and uh, excited to see where these journeys and these people go. Hell yeah. And <clears throat> at this point we've, we've dived into a, a surplus of conversations, everything from functional neurology and chiropractic stuff and movement related topics and spirituality and energy and neuroplasticity. We've, we've gone on a great many tangents, but if there's one thing that you would recommend to somebody who's listening to take on as a practical, like I'm going to walk away, I'm going to do this and not just like, Oh, that was cool. That was a fun little conversation. I'm going to go on about my life doing what I normally do. What is one thing they can take and apply to perhaps improve their situation or move in the direction of, their truth, their vision, their dreams. Oh man. Moving in the direction of their truth. Um, it's, it's, I'm torn a little bit because there's, there's two things that come to mind here. Fine. You can have one. Both. <laughs> then I'm taking both. You know, I don't do favorites. Uh, so one is the practice of gratitude. Um, find that gratitude and and help others to find that as well because the more you can contribute joy to other people's lives the more joy you're going to have in yours um and and 
nobody is going to find their way along their desired path if they're stuck in a rut of depression and negativity. You've, you've got to be outside of that. you got to move forward. Mm. But number two is something that I'm actually kind of working on right now, which is the practice of being present. Um, if you constantly fall into your default mind and, you know, you gave the example earlier of, uh, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic or somebody's my kryptonite, somebody's driving slow in the left lane. Um, <laughs> and, and you default into that monkey mind, that reflexive, like, Oh, I'm judging you. You're horrible. You're driving slow in the left lane or you're cutting me off and you're rude. And you're you know, an asshole, whatever it is. Like you, you are not being present in that moment to the reality of what's going on. Then you are not able to move in the direction of what your, your best path is going to be. And, mm-hmm. and so you, we have these reflexive things that can serve us in some situations, but don't really serve us in the whole. And having the ability to acknowledge them, assess them and move forward in the direction that we want uh, choosing how we react, choosing how we feel. Um, and always remember that happiness is a choice. It's not always an easy one, but it's a choice. What a cute little perfect quote to end on. So well articulated, my friend. <laughs> awesome. So I gratitude. One more thing though I want to say. Do it. And that is thank you. Thank you, Wolf. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. It's been wonderful to see your face again and to talk to you again. But I, I'm excited to see the journey that you are taking and the lives that you are changing. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to watching and dancing alongside you as you change the world. And thank you for the work you're putting in, brother. And thanks, brother. Thank you for always seeing me, for always being a brother in arms, a mirror, and somebody whom in every sense of the word, uh, in the most respectful way, like I, I look to you as an equal and I look up to you in, in the way that you, you esteem yourself and carry yourself and love people around you. And just thank you, man. Thank you. Hoorah. And for those of you who are listening, thank you. This doesn't happen without you. Otherwise it's just, two dudes having a conversation with a mic on zoom for hitting fucking record for no reason other than just to hear ourselves talk to one another. (laughs) So, So thank you for your time, your energy, and as always continue to find, follow and live your truth whilst following the wolf within you. Peace. Thank you so much for listening in. If you got value out of this message, we would love it if you subscribed and shared it with your tribe so we can continue to share this message and this medicine with people all over the world. Much love and peace be with you.